so welcome to our very first episode of Women Working Well Real Talk with your host Atim Henshaw. I am so excited. Um, it's great to be having this first guest on um, and do check us out every week. Every Wednesday we'll be releasing new episodes of Women, just everyday women, just like me and you, um, hearing their stories, hearing their journey, and just having real, real conversations. So please check us out every week uh, from 8 p.m. on Wednesday uh, for Women Working Well uh, Real Talk. So a bit about me, Atom Henshaw. I am an NGO professional. I've been working in the NGO sector, international development sector, for those who don't know NGO, uh, for over eight years now. I'm also a mother. I've got a, a little baby girl. Her name is Adara. And I'm also a wife. I've been married for five years now. And... Um, and I like to create stuff and just make things happen, hence why I'm launching this podcast. So enough about me, let's get straight into it and introduce our first guest. Hey Nana! Hi <laughs> How are you? I'm very well, how are you? I am wonderful, wonderful! Yeah. So yeah, you I'm are my tired. first guest. <laughs> <laughs> Being the first, it means a lot. It means a lot. Because I know you're busy, and we're going to get into all that you do in a minute. But before we do yeah. kick off, yeah. it's Nana Saki. Um, welcome to Women Working Well Real Talk. You are our first Thank guest. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, I'm so excited. So I want to kick off with the first question. So, Nana, Misaki, how mm. many hats do you wear? Not that many. Um, only a few. I, so, I am somebody's daughter. So, I'm a daughter. I am a sister. I'm a cousin to many. Um, an aunt. And at work, I'm a doctor. That, 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 that's it. Nothing too fancy. So, that's five hats. Five hats. I so for our listeners, I'm sure they're dying to know who Nanasaki is. So please do tell us a bit about yourself, what you do, and how long you've been doing it, and what do you love about what you do? And that's a loaded question. Let's just. I know. <laughs> I know. I always get really uncomfortable when people ask me to talk to talk about myself. I do really well at interviews, as you can tell. Um, anyway, <laughs> my name is Nana. I am. Like I said, I'm somebody's daughter. My, you know, I live with my mum and my sister, and um, I currently work as a doctor. I've been doing it for it's my fourth year now. Um, I think I'm currently doing my specialty training um, in obstetrics and gynae. So hopefully, at some point in my life, I will be a consultant obstetrician gynecologist. I'll be delivering your babies. The Ooh, next one. Nice, <laughs> nice. And what yeah. do you love about what you do? Um, I think you know with medicine you've got to pick your poison as as as, as morbid or as as candid as that is yeah but pick so this poison. is the thing you, it's, it's, yeah yeah because it's such a broad um spe- you know broad job and there are different aspects of it that we can all choose um i like obstetrics which is what i'm doing because it's so dynamic um it's so different you see women you know in labor or you see them 
the minute they fall pregnant and you follow them all the way through the labor until they deliver which is amazing news if everything goes to plan they have a baby and everybody's happy most of the time is like that that's one thing i like about my job so you know you help women go through i guess some of the most vulnerable times of their lives and they're happiest and it's nice to be a part of somebody's life you know that aspect of somebody's life um what i don't like about my job again is is it's, it's a bit of a two edged sword um when it goes well it goes really well and then when it goes wrong it's very very difficult to deal with as somebody who's working and obviously everybody you know we all want the best for our patients and their their babies and stuff but it doesn't always happen um and that means that you're in the thick of it and having to deal with it and obviously it affects you so that's a bit of my job that i do don't particularly like that. why does it have to be prison it's just that word that no, is so okay. stuck in my head <laughs> take it out take it out <laughs> okay, okay. i actually do enjoy what i'm doing so even though i'm tired i will still get up and go that's that's where i mean by you know take your poison because there are some things that i you know you absolutely hate and you don't want to get up and go so you just need to choose but yeah you can take the poison bit out and just briefly kind of just let us know like on the normal day shift is that are we talking we're not talking nine to five obviously is it a 12 hour yeah. shift is it 10 hours? like what is just like a typical day so i'll talk to my my typical week like this week what, yeah. what my week has been like um i'm a trainee so i get put in different places um in the department so uh, monday i was operating in the morning so i was doing cesarean infections um in the morning and then in the afternoon I didn't really have anything so I just sat in one of the doctor's room and did some admin work which you know I'd been to clinics and you know scans I had to order and results I had to review and things like that um Tuesday morning I was in clinic all day which I'm seeing um pregnant women who've come in so antenatal clinics essentially I was doing that all day um Wednesday which is today today's Wednesday today is Wednesday today, <laughs> today is Wednesday <laughs> Right. Okay. So actually, yesterday I was on call, so I was on labor ward all day yesterday. Um, I wasn't in clinic. I could get close to. So basically, we're on the labor ward. People who are in labor come to us. People, you know, who are pregnant and are bleeding come to us. People who come in and you know they're losing their water. If you're pregnant, you know, people who have had babies and things, you know what I'm talking about. Um, pregnant women with COVID come to the labor ward. So we see a plethora. Of, of women who come to labor so they need delivery people who need medication i you know pain relief everything or people who have actually lost babies also come to the labor ward so i did that all day yesterday and i start at 8 and i finish at 8:30 p.m. um yeah so it, it it was quite intense and then today what did i do today so today i did antenatal clinic which is seeing women um from about 13 weeks gestation until 40 and then in the afternoon i did the early pregnancy unit which is people before 14 weeks so people who miscarried and stuff so before i actually came home i saw a lady who unfortunately had miscarried and it is quite that and that's not a part of my job that i like but yeah and you touched on it earlier just about the emotional side of this like how yeah. particularly in this covid where you're probably seeing more patients than usual like how are you as a you know as a doctor just dealing with the emotional side of things I don't know. I actually don't know because you know, um when I tell my friends the things that happen at work to me, they're not not that they're normal, but I'm so acclimatized to them that it just seems like it's part of my life. Like I just get on with it. Um but when I tell people that I know, they just look at me and think, are you, are you talking to somebody? Or, you know, are you, is there somebody that you're speaking to like professionally wise? 
um, I think when it obviously becomes quite overwhelming, I've got my family, I just come and talk to them. And then they don't always understand um, because it's, it's difficult. Half the time you just, you're just kind of like, you know, this is somebody's burden. And you, you hear about things happening to people, but you don't share it because it's not your burden. As much as you might sympathize with them, it's just not your burden. So you don't share it. But when you're in it and you have to tell somebody that this is your fourth baby that you're miscarrying, Mm. It's like, how do you say that? Yeah. So, it's hard. <laughs> Man, you're just taking me back to me on the labor board as well. And I'm just like, oh ah. my gosh. Oh, my memories, memories. I like, know, I'm so sorry. Seriously, <laughs> you doctors just do a fantastic job. Just like, just, you know, okay. staying level headed in the midst of people's frustrations, you know, lack of, you know, you know, just impatient people. I'm one of those oh, yeah. impatient patients. And just particularly, you know, you're on a labor war, so just the pain that you are having to just exactly manage, manage, manage. There's the word. I feel like sometimes it's like you know when they say the goose is it the goose? It's on the water, and then above the water is very poised. Or is it the duck? I'm not sure which one it is. It's very poised and very controlled and everything. But underneath the water, it's literally just going like this, trying to survive. <laughs> and I feel like that's what most of us are doing. Oh, you know, gosh. we look okay. But um, <laughs> inside, it's all it. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of like there was a time when I started and something happened. I don't remember what it was. I think one of my patients died or something. And I was so distraught. I went to the toilet, cried. And five minutes later, I just wiped off my eyes and just came and talked, you know, came and talked like nothing. nothing and, I think, and I think that's the side us, you know, everyday um, civilians of one of them people just don't see for the doctors because obviously we sometimes yeah. just forget that you guys are actually human beings human as well so yeah. you hurt as we hurt you cry like yeah. we cry so um no thanks for sharing because i think like we just forget because obviously because we, we, we don't yeah. see it you just kind of run to your room no, you no, to do, yeah. get back out and be all fresh again so. exactly exactly ah, exactly so. um a friend of mine actually thought that when i was on call i was home sleeping and then i was like okay so when I explain that I have this little device that just does not stop beeping and I have to answer it and go to places, he was mortified. I think that he felt sorry for me. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think the rea- reality of things, the thing is most people don't know and don't understand how how we work. So, yeah, um, thanks for sharing that. So right. take us back. We want to rewind back a few years in terms of just to look at where the journey has has you know taking you to this very day so where did it all start and what made you decide to go into medicine and become a doctor that is a question so <laughs> as far as I can <laughs> as far as I can remember I've wanted to do medicine um I don't know where it came from because you know I don't have anybody in my family who's a doctor I'm the first person in my family who's a doctor um so I, I actually don't know I can't explain to you exactly where it came from I just know that I've always wanted to do it um, and I know that you have to achieve. Um, you have to be a high achiever to do medicine. And it's always been a back of my head. So working hard is something that I've had to do for a long time. Um, I grew up in Ghana and then we moved here um, maybe a while ago, let's just say. Um, so I joined school here and then the plan was obviously to do medicine. But unfortunately, I didn't get in um, when I did A-levels and I applied. So I did an undergrad degree. Um, biomedical science as most people do um did that applied to medicine again in the uk i didn't get a place and um i met somebody i didn't i didn't i didn't get a place 
yeah um and i met somebody who had trained in poland um and they were telling me about potentially applying to poland and at that point i was like mm, i don't want to go to a different country um it's just hard you know like studying medicine is hard enough let alone in a different country but something was just pushing me to do it and i was and and you know it was expensive for me um to go to poland at that point so i spoke to my my mom and she said just apply i applied had an interview got a place and then i went to poland um so i did a four year degree in poland it was okay it wasn't as bad as i thought it would be actually so there's a is a polish is a polish institution but they have an english wing um so my all my lectures were in english but i had to learn polish i had a polish class and then when you're in clinics which is where you see patients and stuff most of the patients don't speak english yeah so the doctors who we work with would translate for us or at that point i could understand decent Polish so I understood what they were saying whether or not I could say anything back to a different story but we used to do our consultations and stuff fine um I was a bit worried or I guess people worried me because whenever I would say to people I'm going to Poland it was kind of like oh are they racist you know um how are you going to live there but you know nobody was ever racist to me they stare <laughs> um they stare and you know i've had a i've had a, a, a lovely old lady just literally stroke my skin on the bus once before um yeah um but you know to a point where when i get back to the airport in the uk and people are not staring i'm just wondering what's going on is something wrong <laughs> so so i mean was there a black community in poland where you were staying like could you still go and get some of your african foods if you wanted to or did you stock really? up for the years? No, I, I haven't. I'm, I'm not really a big, you know, I don't, I'm not a big cooker of African food before I went anyway. Um, so I guess for me, it wasn't as hard to adapt because, you know, I wasn't, I, I can eat pasta for a year yeah. and I'm fine. Um, so I think for somebody who's more traditional, it might be more of a struggle, which is where you, you bring stuff from home. But it was only two hours door to door from from Poland to heat to my house. Oh, okay, that's not. Um yeah, so um you could you could t- you could you know ship food and stuff if you wanted to. Um there weren't that many. I think in my class there was only two black people. I was one included. Um and the year above there was one or two other black girls. Um so there weren't that many. Um so the black people knew each other. But medical school is so hard that your priorities were very much But did, did, did that bother you at all? having no, just a, a no, trickle no no i think it just hadn't caught on yet and plus my my class especially most of them were american um polish american um i had people from ireland which is essentially like the uk isn't it um and taiwan and other places so it was quite a different plethora of people um, i didn't feel treated differently in any way to feel like oh there isn't enough black people or anything like that so I do. I do feel like, yeah, it would be an issue too. Okay. That's a good time, yeah. yeah. So you was in Poland for four years. You yeah. decided to come so, back, I obviously. <laughs> yeah, so no, no, the plan was always to come back. It was never to work there. Absolutely not. I spoke enough Polish, but not enough to practice. I would have to like actually learn Polish properly. Um, so I applied back to the UK and got got a job. Um, and then you do, when you come back as a doctor, you do two years foundation training, which I did. Um, as you know, I was in Kent and then I was in Brighton. And then I decided to take a year out to do whatever I wanted, essentially. Um, so I volunteered in Ghana for a bit. I did it for like nine weeks. Nice. And then came back, applied for my specialty job. The plan was to travel and then 
Auntie Corona came. <laughs> <laughs> no, Uncle, it was Auntie. <laughs> Auntie Corona. <laughs> so uh, I was stuck in the UK and I just worked um, for the year and then started my specialty job. So, yeah, this is where I'm at. Oh. So just looking back, do you feel that it's gone by very quickly or do you feel like I think it has. It has. I can't believe it's it's been four years already, almost four years since I left Poland. Like I don't I don't believe that. But it, it has been. According to the numbers, but I don't believe it. No. Yeah, time has time has flown. So just looking back at your career and obviously the many hats that you wear as well, yeah. do you ever have those kind of reflective moments and you just kinda Perhaps just assess, you know, where am I at life? Uh, you know, and what I, is what I'm doing right now successful, or what does successful look like to you? Do you have those kind of reflective moments? Yeah, and yeah. So, um, so I think you know, career-wise, if we're talking career, career-wise, they are they are natural breaks um, in in the, the job description. I guess the level of the career of a doctor, the natural breaks. Of, and those breaks, um, you just make sure you've decided on what you're doing and you're not taking too much time out. Um, so as I said, I, after I finished my two-year training, I decided to take a year out because I could um, to volunteer and to travel, but that didn't happen, but that's something else. Um, so from where I am, I'm only going forward. So yeah. every year you move forward up, every year you go forward. So I'm num- I'm ST1 now. Um, next year I'll be SD2 by God's grace what and then next SD year one? I'll be SD3 specialty training okay. specialty training year one and then okay. specialty training year two and then you become a registrar so it just moves up and every year you move up um, and that's a natural progression of things so if you're doing everything right you should just progress that way yes. um, yeah so what's the end goal is it consultancy is that the end goal mm, yeah yeah and like in terms of years or what like what does that transpire in terms of years so um in Obzangani because you become a consultant you're looking at six to seven years okay. um yeah so you go up until your SD6 SD7 and then you complete and then become a consultant <laughs> mm. Yes, yes. The only time it's flying, I might just wake up and then it's fine. <laughs> but six or seven years is not a long time. It's not oh, a long time. Just as you it said, like you just it, kind of flew right. Yeah. Yeah. The same will do yeah. for six, seven years. Oh. So, when you do have your quiet time or your downtime, what does like what do you do in terms of just your hobbies and just like how do you just chill out? Hmm. So. Um, one minute. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. So, um, it's difficult to say what I do my in my time because what else are you going to do in this day and age in, in COVID? <laughs> There's not much to do. Um, so it's difficult to say what I do in my time. I feel like it's just become a norm now to just yeah. go go to work and come home and absolutely do nothing. Um, before COVID, um, I was an I am I I was an avid gym goer. Um, so you know fitness and as healthy. where we all <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but yeah I was um, and that's the plan to go back I was learning how to swim um, before Covid came so that was something I used to do quite a lot I read a lot um, when I'm not working and it's just visiting friends and family I, I'm always and I really love to travel Really, I don't like to stay in one place, um, so I'm struggling in this in this new new situation. 
struggling. You're not the only one there, honestly, Nana. Like the way my soul just wants to be in Dubai or <laughs> anywhere. Island. Take me anywhere. Take me anywhere. My suitcase is already packed. So the minute Boris is Boris says it's not legal, it's not illegal anymore to holiday. I'm gone. Absolutely gone. I'm right there with um, you. Yeah. So what would you say, like, sorry, No, no, I wasn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, what lessons would you say that you've learned along the way? Mm-hmm. And what challenges have you had? Um, lessons, I think realising your limitations um, and also your ability and speaking to people um, who, who know you well enough to know what your abilities are. Because I think... We don't always know what we're capable of. Um, so I I thought I could get into medical school. I knew that I could get into medical school, but after being, you know, told no twice, I was starting to doubt whether or not, you know, I could this is a job I could do. Um, but you know, the people around me were just kinda like, You can do this, you can do this. Um, and in medical school itself, it was difficult. And at times where I just wanted to leave. So as was I called my mom and I said, I can't do it anymore, I'm coming home. And she said, come home. I came home and then after, you know, pencils, I go back. And I went and it was fine. Um, so I think lessons-wise, you know, you're, you're usually more capable than you think you are um, most of the time. And um, what else can I think of? Challenges-wise, conquering the, 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 the mentality that you're not good enough. I think that's something. That's something that I think I personally struggle with. Um, even though you know, it, it might seem outwardly that I have everything under control. Like I said, you know, the, the goose and you know, paddling underneath the water. Well, um, would you say that society saying that that's not good enough? That's the people around you, or that's you, your voices? No, I think just... I think it's more it's more my voice, or, or yeah. it's because of my voice. And so when people say things that can be absolutely nothing to do with me. I pick up something in there and just be like, oh, do they think the same? You know, they might be thinking the same thing that I'm thinking, but it's not really, it's not really the case at all. Um, I forgot my train of thought. (laughs) 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 I love what I was saying. (laughs) Um, I can rephrase the question to another question to say, you know, what would you say um, life has taught you so thus far? Ooh. What would I say life has taught me? Life has taught me, okay, one thing that this year has taught me, it's all, this, this whole COVID situation, is uh, life is fickle. Um, and you can be here today, and tomorrow you're not here anymore. Um, so just prioritising time. And prioritizing motives is quite important. Um, do what do what you think is important to you, um, and just make sure that you're doing it, and you know you're not hurting anybody. I guess in um, in the process of, of doing what it is that you think is important to you, because I think everybody's purpose and everybody's you know what they want to do and what they want to achieve is completely different. Um, but for me, I think you know having been in a situation where I've seen people you know COVID, COVID, COVID. You know, they come in fine, and then two hours later, we're calling their parents, their their relatives, that you know it's not it's not good. Um, and just having to stand there and do this, knowing that I could catch this thing, 
yeah. could potentially die. Um, so it, it's quite sobering. And I think in the last year, anyway, from what I've learned from this, you know, mortal, our mortality is just it's fickle. You know, human life is, is, is yeah. And I hope they also providing you just like just the the mental wellness support where you are at your workplace. Is that what? Yeah. I think I think there stuff? is no. When it started, anyway, there was you know we have wellness rooms and things like that. And, and I'm sure that if I felt like I can't deal with it anymore, or you know I felt tired, or I felt like I wanted somebody to talk to, I'm sure there was the avenues and that I could go. There are things. Um, you know that I can, people that I can speak to and things like that. I just, I mean, at the moment, I don't feel like I need to speak to anybody. Um, but I, I feel like if I got to a point where I feel like I need to speak to somebody, there are um, avenues and people that I could speak to about That's good. the way I'm feeling and stuff. Yeah. And like, what would you say to people who are trying to get into the medicine field, um, but had a few knockbacks, but like yeah. you, still know their know what they're capable of, they know what they can yeah. achieve. Just had a few setbacks in life. Um, what would you say to them? Yeah, I, I think realizing that there isn't, you know, there are multiple ways to kill a cat. Um, the way that you want to do it doesn't have to be the way that is going to be done for you. You know, I was trying to get him in the UK, um, and I didn't get a place. And I applied to Poland, and I got a place very quickly. I went, I've done it, I've come, and I'm working here. And, you know, nobody. People ask me why I went to medical school, but it's not a it's not a big conversation. That's not what they lead with. Um, it's more, you know, after you've gotten to know somebody, that's when you ask, well, where did you go to medical school? But it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you're, I'm working as a doctor, so are you. You know, mm-hmm. and that was the that was the priority. I think it's just realizing there are multiple ways, and just knowing that there are these avenues as well. If you don't know, you're ignorant to it. And you know, um, if you don't know something, how are you going to know that there's a way to do it differently? And therefore you have options so read 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 and know, know the options that are available to you mm, thank you for that and mm. final question for me it's a quiz for you by the way um <laughs> what would you say is the thing that drives you what drives me oh Um, so what I would like one girl said this to me last time um, I saw a patient and a young girl um, black girl and she said she's very young so I didn't expect her to say what she said to me but she said to me oh I'm really proud of you and I was like young people don't say this to I don't know, people who are seemingly older than them but maybe I look quite young so um, but she said I'm really proud of you you don't I don't come to hospital and see a black girl come to see me as my doctor um, and and you, you know, I've always had this thing where I want some little girl somewhere to just see me and say, I can do it because she's doing it, mm. you know? Um, and that's always been the back of my head because I feel like I didn't have that when when I started. Um, so why can't, I, particularly I want to be that for somebody. Um, so if I want to achieve, I'm not achieving because of me. I mean, I want to achieve because I pers- you know, personal reasons that I want to achieve, but then also, I want to achieve so that when I'm at where I need to be, there's a little girl somewhere, little black girl somewhere who sees me and says, I can do it too. Yeah. Um, so representation is a, is a big thing, yeah. would you say? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Great. Yeah. 
thank you, Nana. Doctor Nana. Should we start with Doctor Nana Saki? Thank oh, you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> This has well, been great. Good. This has been really, really great. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm yes. very happy. I'm very happy I came. I'm very happy that you are here. <laughs> <laughs> As always. Great. Speak to you soon. Thank you for doing this. And for those who would like to get in touch with us, please do reach out to us. We're currently on Instagram and Facebook. Our Instagram handle is at www.realtalk and our Facebook handle is Women Working Well. Uh, so do search us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Do comment, like, share, share again to your networks. Um, we do want to hear from you. So until next time, this is your host, Atten Henshaw, and we're signing out from Women Working Well. Have a great rest of the week. Take care.